Badger. Yes, welcome to Sex Time. The... Whoa. You yeah, I, um, since you can't edit out the beginnings and stuff, I thought we might want to work on an intro so everything doesn't start out with the introduction. And then, hey, um, can you hear me? Wouldn't it have been great to talk about this before? Yes, but there was no time. No, just like a week since we last recorded. No time. No, none. How's it going? Okay. Uh, my art stuff is up in a local cafe, and I was a little late hanging it and getting the prices up because I only had five months to do mm. this. Yeah. I hear you. I've only had like the 33 years to learn how to clean my house properly, but you know. Um, we could just start over. No, let's go with this. It's gold. All right. Hashtag content. So um, before we launch into this, can we uh, do a shout out again to Emily? Yes. <laughs> shout out to Emily Ship. She is our most important listener. We just love Emily. And uh, other than that, I think unofficially, but maybe sort of officially, we've settled on um, having recordings go up once a week on Fridays. Um, that seems like it's working for now. Yes. Well, let's okay. ask Emily what she thinks. Yeah, I think Emily's really going to drive this decision. Mm-hmm. I mean, she is our most important listener. She is. Any so, shout outs? Um, just the usual, I love my cats. Okay. I love every animal except mosquitoes. So shout out to every animal except mosquitoes and ticks. So many, so many animals. So many animals. <laughs> okay, so the purpose of this discussion is to talk about Sex in the City and Adventure Time. And last time we talked, we were able to find some commonalities between the shows we watched. I'm not so sure we could this time, but um, I'm maybe maybe you found something that I didn't. I didn't find any anything between the two shows, um, but I did, as I promised to do, I found one nice thing that I liked about the Sex and the City episode. Okay, so let's launch into that. Um, I found a synopsis this time that's a little bit longer than the ones we've read before. So the episode we watched was uh, season one, episode three, Bay of Married Pigs. And the synopsis is... Carrie enjoys a weekend at the beach house in the Hamptons of an ideal couple, her friend Paige and her husband Peter. But in the morning, he greets her nothing but a revealing short t-shirt. The girls who will marry people either consider singles competitors for their spouses or pity them. Stanford adds it's getting the same with gay couples. His friends Joe and Lou ask Carrie to become their egg donor. At her law firm softball game, Miranda is teamed up with Sid, a single lesbian, and they play good enough for both to be invited at senior partnership, senior partner Chip's house party. They both play well enough, by the way. Not, I'm, I know the grammar. The synopsis does not. I was going to ask. 
Yeah. Um, senior partner chips house party. Apparently, even a presumed lesbian couple is more acceptable than singles. Indeed, the truth puts her out again. Even Carrie's marrying kind friend, businessman Sean's housewarming party is twos only. Oh, my God. The grammar in this thing. Ooh. I didn't read the whole thing before. Raising. I <laughs> uh, to her, Sam, who's fucked half the men, and Charlotte's horror, but their China styles make him unfit for Charlotte. Okay, this is convoluted. The guy likes Carrie and is the marrying type, but should uh, more he's more suited to go with Charlotte, but Charlotte dumps him because he likes the wrong kind of China. Um, and then it talks about how Samantha got drunk, got, got drunk and seduces a doorman. Okay, that started off promising and then it spiraled. And that's not my fault. It's my fault. <laughs> I should have read the whole thing before committing. There was no time. There's never time. So um, let's let's start with the positive. You said you found one thing to like about this episode. Yes. Um, so when they were at that guy's housewarming party, let me find it here. Oh, Samantha got drunk. And mm-hmm. I think she was like pointing at people and saying things. And I thought that was actually, oh, no. Yeah. The guy who flashed Carrie came over and she started laughing at him and she pointed. And she called him Pepper Mildick. Yeah. I thought that was funny. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't think it was realistic. I don't know. What, what, I is, just, what about this show makes you think that it's supposed to be realistic? Well, it's not, but I like. I don't. Uh, I didn't especially like that part. So there, there are a few key things that I want to focus our discussion on. Um, the first thing just to get the minor stuff out of the way is how did you feel about how Charlotte dumped this guy because he liked the wrong kind of China pattern? I mean, that seems super petty. And if that was a deal breaker for her, then that's something she should have brought up when it seemed like they were becoming serious. Also that guy later in the series is going to come back and kill everyone and wear their skin. So how many of the men that we've seen on this show are you anticipating to become serial killers? Two so far. And Mr. Big will kill by policy. Well, I mean, I think almost every white man of means has inadvertently, but uncaringly killed at least a couple people. Mm -hmm. Um, So this guy, I mean, how creepy is it to show somebody a baby mobile that you bought years ago it's very creepy and I feel like he should have known that I I feel like if he had known for a while that he wants to get married but that women kept recoiling maybe he was coming on too strong maybe he could have like figured that out he cannot he might be a sociopath have you ever had that experience like Carrie had where she was out to lunch with her friends and then, oh, what a surprise, join us for dessert. And it was clearly a setup. Have you ever had friends that set you up with someone that, that way? No, I set myself up. <laughs> I believe that. Okay. I think also I, my friends are terrible. They would hey. never have my best interest at heart. They all have bad judgment because they're my friends. Oh, my God. What does it say about me? Oh, it doesn't say about you. Oh, my God. 
Okay, so the, the, the big thesis of this episode is the tension between married people and single people. But I think a bigger discussion needs to happen around how Miranda is like co-opting lesbianism in order to get ahead at her firm. And she's taking advantage of this very like quiet but but poor, innocent lesbian woman who just inadvertently wound up in this situation. So Sid is uh, set up by Miranda's coworker by coming to a company baseball game, which I think is a ridiculous first date, by the way. Like involving your coworkers in a dating situation, it seems bananas to me. But then as she clarifies, hey, I'm not gay. Let's stay for the game anyway. Let's have a good time. No reason we can't still have fun. That's fine. But then the senior partner says, you two should come to dinner. And Miranda says, yes, on behalf of both of them without even consulting Sid. And poor Sid is just like silent and I guess is going to dinner now. Yeah, I really wonder how Sid felt about being used as a reverse beard prop. They're called Merkins, by the way. I'm pretty sure. Oh, I yeah. wonder how she she feels about that. But we really never hear from her. So for all all purposes of the episode she is a prop yes so much so that after the dinner at this hot shots apartment miranda who definitely dresses quite butch in that situation by wearing you know a tie and having her hair slicked back and looking ostensibly like the late 90s prototypical caricature of a lesbian she realizes that, hey, it would just be easier if this was actually real. And then she just kisses Sid, Sid having given no indication that she wanted to be kissed, and then draws the conclusion that she is, in fact, straight. And then we find Sid finally says something, and she agrees that, that Miranda is straight. I think this whole thing made me very uncomfortable. Yeah, I wonder if it made Sid uncomfortable. Uh, the, the whole series so far has seems like it has a pattern of picking out women that are not heteronormative maybe not cis outside like patriarchal white heteronormativity and just using them as props for the other characters to to play off of Mm -hmm. yes i feel like there was a i think there's a sense on the the part of the characters and the way that the show treats them is that if you're not part of this select group you're not really a person Mm -hmm. you are an accessory you're a means to an end that sort of thing i was wondering so the the premise of the episode is that like it's single versus married Mm -hmm. marriage so fundamentally changes somebody that they are no longer the same person that they were when they were single yeah they're like it's we instead of me yeah yeah, they get a total lobotomy and this is like a weird versus dichotomy that I've not run into before. So I'm wondering, is this a New York thing? Is this a 90s thing? Because it's not a real world deal. So I've seen it happen in some contexts in my personal life. But I feel like this is more a symptom of like an early relationship where people get very like infatuated and like where it kind of like isolate themselves away from everybody else with their new partner a group of friends that I know calls it being on boyfriend Island where suddenly you cannot be away from this person. You're just like so infatuated, but 
But usually by the time most of my friends have gotten married, they've gotten like a pretty good balance. And they also don't want to be around their partner exclusively. They want a balance between, you know, my married time. And then like, I still want to do my friend stuff and I still want to have my alone time. So I don't think this is, I think it's obviously like hyperbole because this whole, this whole show is just taking things to like really strange places with that sort of scenario. But I think it might be a little bit more of like a nineties thing if I had to attribute it to anything. Cause I feel, I feel like the, the um, institution of marriage was like way more highly like sacrosanct in a lot of people's mindsets in the nineties and like uh, an objective for so many women in the nineties. Like right now, I don't know many, I don't know many people who are like, I can't wait to get married. Yeah. Well, I guess that gives it just overall some context. Maybe. So I'm wondering, I'm sure I know the answer. Um, So Carrie was flashed. Like she had unsolicited, non-consensual contact with a penis in a place that was not her home. Visual contact. He never never touched her. Let's just clarify. Yeah. So visual contact with a, a penis that she did not ask for. Mm-hmm. Uh, she it, didn't keep it a secret and told dude's wife what happened and then somehow she was the bad guy and she got sent home early yeah I think that I think that is just that that marriage is fucked up right because this is a, probably happened before the way that uh, the wife had reacted to it and then um, when they see them again at the party and it's not to be mentioned or anything like that. It's just, I guess this is a systemic thing that happens. She gets mad at him and then they just pretend it has never happened. And anybody who brings it up again is, is uh, violating this like taboo that they have established in their marriage. It's fucked up. Yeah. There's, um, there's a lot to be said about women who know that, men are violating other women and don't say anything and don't do anything and are complicit in those violations so I'm seeing a lot of complicity in this show Mm -hmm. and I don't know if that might be a symptom of also how different things were 20 years ago that things that didn't seem like they were past a, 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 a they've crossed a line then now so much more clearly do I, I feel like culturally we've become a lot more evolved when we consider what consent really means and what actually is a violation of someone's, you know, not just like there's degrees to this, but I feel like we're a little bit more nuanced than we used to be. Yeah, I'd agree with that, especially with the linguistic and nomenclature changes uh, through various social justice movements. I do feel like regardless of the time that we were living in, I have a pretty strong sense of what would be a disruption, what would be upsetting for me. And if I went to a friend and say, hey, your husband um, decided to greet me with no pants on. And then she was like, let's never speak of this again. I don't think she'd be my friend anymore, um, no matter what decade this is taking place in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. But I actually didn't mind this episode too much. I didn't find it particularly 
and raging, but I might have still been kind of riding high from the benzo I took last night. <laughs> so no more benzos before you watch the show. We need your rage unfiltered. I needed it. You know, I had a really bad week last week and there was a lot of crying. Saturday was really stressful. No, I get that. I'm just saying we'll delay the episode until you're in a place where you don't need a benzo. Okay. We can do that. It's our podcast. We can do whatever we want and whatever Emily tells us to do. Yes, that's true. Oh, Emily has strep throat. So oh no! by the time this airs, I hope that you're feeling better. That sucks. I used to get strep a lot, so I don't envy you. I hope that someone's bringing you lots of orange juice. If you like orange juice. So adventure time. Yeah, let's go. Let's go to adventure time. So the first episode we're talking about is the Enchiridion. Uh, the synopsis here. I didn't proof this one either. So hopefully this doesn't bite me in the ass. Um, to prove their skills as adventurers, Finn and Jake undertake a quest given by Princess Bubblegum to retrieve the Enchiridion, a legendary hero's handbook in which they must endure many trials to receive it. Yep, that was what happened. That's so about what, did it. You, what did you think of this episode? This episode didn't strike me as being a standout. Like, it seemed like a pretty um, boilerplate. Like, hey, you're heroic. Let's go on a quest where you prove your heroism. And it had some funny moments, but it didn't really... It wasn't uh, knocking off my socks, I guess. I really like this episode... Uh, because uh, cause I'm viewing it from the lens of somebody who has watched the most recent episodes and has seen all the character development. So it's a kick to go back and watch Princess Bubblegum like effectively ticking off boxes so she can be this princess trope. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure this is just another like training a puppy to be a guard dog, seeing how it will react, send Finn off to get this book. I did like the part where she was waving him goodbye on his adventure and she pauses, interrupts herself to grab a handkerchief so she can Mm -hmm. wave him off properly like the prototypical princess would. Yes. So that was pretty funny. Um, I, one thing I get out of this is (laughs) I'm reading so much into these episodes. Uh, I feel like, I feel like Jake got a, got the bum deal out of this because he's as much a participant in this journey as Finn is, but Finn is given the, the title of hero, even though Jake does quite a bit in order to facilitate this, uh, uh, this quest. Well, Jake is also, he doesn't necessarily fall under the hero trope. Jake's like 29 years old when this is happening. Mm-hmm. And he is overall pretty lazy and distractible. <laughs> but Finn is like into heroism. Oh yeah. He, he really wants to be a good guy and fight bad guys. And I feel if, like if Jake weren't watching over Finn, he would just sit on the couch and eat nachos all day. I don't think that Jake wants glory or anything, but I also feel like he doesn't seem to really get recognition for what he does i guess that's fair so you've played D D. did you like the little references that were dropped in at the end i didn't quite did i should i picked up any yeah like will you, 
this ant is not good, but it's not bad. Will you kill this neutrally aligned ant? Oh, I didn't take that as a D&D reference. I just took that as like, I guess the alignment is so um, no longer just exclusively like a D&D conversation um, that I didn't feel like that was like, oh, that's definitely a D&D reference or anything like that. Um, well, they'll drop those sometimes and they definitely are. I've also only played like the littlest amount of D&D. Um, so I really, I am not an expert on it. But um, if anyone wonders, I play a tiefling um, ranger and she's a true neutral and she's an alcoholic. <laughs> I rolled for her character and she turned up as a drunk. So that was just kind of so fitting. <laughs> I wish that I had time to play D&D because it sounds really fun. It is really fun, but it is a commitment and that's why I'm not really playing it right now at all. So I don't really have much else to say about this episode. Did you have any favorite moments? I think my favorite moment is, would be when um, they come across those little like adorable gnomes that are in like this lava fire pit and, and Finn rescues them. Um, and it turns out that they're actually like evil and they're going to blow up grandmas or little old ladies or whatever. And then Jake, is like fed up with them and puts them back in the fire. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I did quite enjoy that. Um, I, I did want to mention that that actually reminds me of a scene from the most recent season of Broad City. And I cannot wait for you to watch that because this season is like, it's so, so us. There's witches, there's seasonal affective disorder. <laughs> it's, it's so us. <laughs> well, I will someday have time to do that. Good. If I wasn't making if I wasn't making you do this, you would so have time <laughs> for that. Anyway, plug for Broad City, which is like the greatest. It's pretty good. Okay. Oh, uh, so. did you like the the scene with the giant where Finn battles the giant and he steals his wallet and, he, <laughs> and the giant's oh my big money. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I liked that. One of my favorite lines was like he, Finn says, "Give me back my friend," and the giant says, "But I killed him already." <laughs> and then Finn, through tears, is like, "Fine, I'll give you back your money." And yeah, he's just pursuing his his quest, even though he's traumatized. <laughs> yeah, and he kicks that giant right in the genitals. I don't know if you caught that. I he thought it was the stomach. No, he flies right into his crotch and then the giant barfs. <laughs> I, I, I just don't think of genitals when I watch this show. <laughs> I just, I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you have any other thoughts on the Enchiridion? Uh, No, I think it's a good episode from this season. Because remember, this is the first season, so they're going to be kind of up and down. Yeah, there, there are a few coming up that I don't really like very much. And they're they're non sequitur, and they don't contain characters that come back. And then there's one that I don't really like coming up that contains a character that does come back a lot, and I hate him. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, 
so I think that the reason I wasn't like so into the Enchiridion is that it wasn't like it wasn't standing out in in terms of like being like especially impactful or especially like weird or anything like that. And I think when you take it in in consideration of the next episode we watched, which is the Jiggler, that is like one of the most disturbing shows that children's shows I've seen episodes of children's television yeah i think that might be one of the reasons why i like the enchiridion is nothing really punches you in the gut and it's just fun so for the jiggler the synopsis is finn and jake find a small creature and they adopt it due to its fun loving ways and vibes while discovering the harm they do to it by taking it from its habitat so (laughs) i have to say so they find this little like maybe robot maybe not sort of like thing that loves uh, the song that Finn is singing and um, the Jiggler follows them and they, they're they like oh, this guy's cool let's take him home and this reminds me of when I was like nine and I was walking home from school one day and there was a cat out by someone's house just chilling and I started petting the cat and then I was like you're mine now and I picked it up and started walking home with it <laughs> and this girl comes out like she's like a teenager comes out of her house she's like where are you going with my cat <laughs> I was like uh <laughs> 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 Not, nowhere um in case anybody had any doubts about me becoming a cat lady <laughs> yeah or like growing up and secretly buying baby clothes off the internet <laughs> whoa did you do that no I didn't do that I'm suggesting that that maybe stealing someone's cat when you're nine to have that relationship is is indicative that you might later buy baby clothes online. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there and you can't edit it out. Nope. Till you figure it out. Anchor people. Or maybe Please it would help us. This could escalate uh, from me trying to steal someone's cat to like when Liz Lemon steals a baby in 30 oh, Rock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, oftentimes get uh, single-minded when I see cute things, and I decide I have to have them, and they're going to come home with me. Oh, is that why you're friends with me? You're not in my house right now. That's true, because your cats make my throat close up. Yep, we can never live together because our animals uh, would aggravate each other's allergies. We'll so just we just have, have to get that duplex. We just have to get a duplex. Okay, so the Jiggler. They bring him home and they have a dance party and this guy like goes hard and they're just dancing all night. And Finn, uh, one of the more adorable scenes, he puts the jiggler to bed and then he curls up at the foot of the bed like he's a dog. Yeah. uh, And he rips his toothbrush vertically in half to give half of it to the jiggler. (laughs) So he um, he's not really aware of what he's doing, but he is definitely like coming from a very pure place that he wants to like take care of this little dude and um just be be kind but then they wake up the next morning and the jiggler is unwell like to the point where i start getting like upset i i had seen this episode before a few years ago and i'm like this is horrifying if i was a child and i saw that this like really cute character has just started to like wilt all over the place and like getting desiccated and like flopping around that's like really upsetting yeah I actually had a similar experience when I was a child um we'd go camping in like eastern-ish southern-ish Oregon 
And there'd be a lot of lizards. So I would go catch lizards and put them in a bucket. And they would be my pets for like that evening. And I must have been eight or nine the same age you were when you stole a cat i didn't steal a cat i was in when process of stealing successfully a attempted to theft a cat cats don't have owners cats, <laughs> cats live where they want but i you know little kids just have a hard time controlling their own grip mm-hmm. and i squeezed one of the lizards because i was just holding it and petting it but little kid hands um, and I stressed it out so much that the tail fell off. Oh no, but but that they're designed to do that. When they're extremely stressed. So, but you didn't kill it. I hope not. Oh no. Um, but anyway, I let all the lizards go and I never played go gather pets from the desert again. So you so had I... a, a very strong lesson come out of that much like Finn did. Mm-hmm. And did you also say, I'll never kidnap again? <laughs> I don't think that I did say that. So the resolution after they try and try to get the jiggler well um, comes from the jiggler painting a portrait of its mother by kissing the floor like hundreds of times. And they figure out that they had stolen a baby that needs to be with its mom. And uh, they get... They get right with God and they bring they bring the jiggler back to the jiggler's mom. Can I just say when the jiggler was really so the jiggler also like explodes all over the house mm-hmm. and Finn stands there and holds some of it and is screaming and Jake says like okay our pet exploded <laughs> okay yep like this is just so traumatic like when that lizard's tail fell off. Uh, they squish him back together and Finn is like he tries to give him mouth to mouth and it's not working and he just starts kissing him and says that I'm just kissing him it's all I can think to do (laughs) I thought that was a really good example of like non-toxic masculinity oh yeah definitely I get the sense from this episode maybe more than any other that we've seen so far that Jake is like so determined to do the right thing but he's also so unclear on what the right thing is sometimes mm-hmm. that um you know he carries some guilt with him and he learns from it but he is he's forming his ideas of what is and isn't an appropriate action so nothing he did yeah he did something that was irresponsible and potentially like he could have killed this little creature but he never did it from a place of like intentional harm mm-hmm. and he definitely feels so strongly for you know he like loves everybody that's pretty clear except for bad guys he'll beat up bad guys but like anything that's you know anything that hasn't been proven to be evil he's like i'm there for you yeah so they uh they take the jiggler and they find his mom and then the jiggler's mom rejects the jiggler Like when baby birds fall out of the nest. Yeah. And Finn is crying because he's so upset because that's the Jiggler's mom. And mamas are supposed to love babies. (laughs) I love him. You love him. Why doesn't she love him? Because he's just so, he's so distraught. This is such an upsetting episode. (laughs) 
Like, can you imagine a child watching it who's, like, got a fraught relationship with their mother and then hearing Finn yell, mamas are supposed to love babies? Like, (laughs) they're supposed to love. It's your baby, idiot. (laughs) So they realize that the baby jiggler is being rejected because it doesn't smell like the other baby jigglers anymore because it's no longer in this pool of viscous liquid because all of the liquid shot out of its orifices in their treehouse. Mm-hmm. So they finally launched the jiggler into this pool, moat jiggler berry juice, whatever it is. And then it um, rehydrates <laughs> like a sponge <laughs> almost instantly. It's well again. And the mom is like, oh, yeah, uh, cool. I'm not going to murder anybody now. Mm-hmm. I called grapes purple whatevers for a long time after I first saw this episode. Purple whatevers? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because they feed them purple whatevers. You mean grapes? Yeah, whatever. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to get a lot more of your jokes now that I'm watching this, aren't I? Maybe. Probably. Hopefully. I don't don't know some of your references. Well, until now, we've always said that we can enjoy different things, but that's not true anymore. We have to enjoy the same things and then talk about them. Hmm. Wonder what of mine that I enjoy I can make you enjoy. Gilmore Girls? Yeah, that'd be amazing. That would be such a commitment. <laughs> oh, no, I won't. I won't do that to you. I won't. Okay. But I will go on hikes with you once in a while. Yeah, I really need to go on one. Any any final thoughts on the Jiggler? I liked this episode. It was upsetting and it was cute. Oh, what did you think of Stanley? Stanley the watermelon? Yeah. <laughs> Stanley the watermelon, who's for all appearances completely inanimate and apparently keeps getting himself and his family in trouble. Mm-hmm. Is this, is Stanley coming back? Uh, I don't think so. Oh, I really like want maybe to be tertiarily. I, at some point. I really want to know the backstory on Stanley. <laughs> they drop yeah, because they're saving him from a, a burning house or something. And I really got the feel that Stanley had something to do with that being on fire. So they drop this pile of singed fruit off in front of a house and they're like, okay, you're safe now. (laughs) It's very misleading because it looks like they're just carrying singed fruit home (laughs) to make a salad or something. Yeah. I don't know. That was pretty funny though. I, I do appreciate that there seems to be these little jokes that don't really have any context or explanation. Um, I like things when they're a little absurd like that. There, it's kind of a, I don't know, something you might find in something like 30 Rock or other shows like that, too. Yeah, I love absurdist one-off humor. And I think you know that. Oh, I do. If that's the direction that the show keeps going, um, I am definitely interested in that. Good. Are you going to watch ahead, do you think? You mentioned that you might do that. No, I don't think so. Um, I'm going to really try to exercise some impulse control and just uh, be patient with it because these are so short that I don't want to um, mix details up with uh, episodes that we're not actually discussing yet. 
Um, I've also listened to some podcasts where um, one or both of the hosts have watched ahead past the episode they're discussing and they're really obnoxious about it with like oh but then we see later wait don't tell anybody blah 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 and I just don't want to be that person so I um I'm gonna stick to the the timeline that we're on okay if you wanted to watch ahead that wouldn't bother me it would be fine I I know it wouldn't bother you but I am just trying to um evaluate all of these things from as much as possible the eye of some somebody who hasn't seen them before okay that's fair all right are you gonna watch ahead in sex in the city no really (laughs) (laughs) Mm. well all in all uh uh, uh, not bad for everything here yeah not not a bad viewing and uh I think we're both a little like pooped from after a very long week with a lot of trying situations and now we're so tired and I think that we should just call it and it will be done now. Okay. Should we do like an outro or something? What would you do if you were to do an outro? Thank you for listening to sex time. Please join us on the next sex time when we discuss the next two episodes of adventure time and the next episode of sex in the city. And please we're sponsored on- by Cast Pip Match Horses and um, uh, Red Pinafore Home Cooking Delivery Service. Try Cast Pip. They're the mattresses that come in the mail. Um, I do want to say we also have a Twitter. It is at Sex Time Pod, and we will post all episodes there whenever they're up, and occasionally retweet uh, news stories about Cynthia Nixon since we're apparently relevant right now never been relevant before it's uh, it's a little odd this is definitely not intended (laughs) we had no way of knowing that this was going to be in the news but it is well thanks so much for listening Emily and we'll talk to you next time yeah thanks Emily bye bye hey everyone Uh, just a quick afterward I was doing a little bit of research to try to find some audio of the Bay of Married Pigs episode to play. Um, And because I'm stuck under a cat, I was looking on my Kindle instead of actually going up to my TV and going on Amazon Prime and recording it from my TV. Anyway, I found some videos on YouTube that are literally just photos of attractive, youngish looking people maybe each photo's up for five seconds at a time and it's playing this like Lady Gaga-esque music track and then over the pictures is literally just the transcript of the episode. (laughs) So I'm going to link to this um, when we send out the episode and I don't even know why this exists because you can get a transcript online and not have to read it in the form of a video, but I thought I would share it with you. So just check that out. (laughs) Okay. Thank you. Bye.